Good morning, welcome to Center for Spiritual Living. Here we are. You ready? Here we go. All right. Yeah. So, um, just to um, um, call to our awareness, um, on my way in this morning, I heard a um, announcement on the radio that uh, there had been some acts of violence in Edmonton last night. Four people are in the hospital, and uh, uh, they they've they've determined and called this uh, acts of terrorism. And so, what I would like to do is just be mindful of that as we go into our prayer work today, and offer the fullness of our hearts to know, because consciousness is what we are. We're going to talk about that today. But the fullness of our, our open hearts to support the families, those people, knowing that they have everything they need, and they're getting the right medical care and spiritual and psychological care as well. And also, I'd like to offer the opportunity that we we think about the perpetrators, because the perpetrators are an expression of God as well. They're just operating from ignorance. And so when we can we can we can not approve of the act, but to withhold our love for humanity as a whole, I don't think serves anyone well. And so whatever is alive within this individual that is or these individuals that have, that have called them to act out in such a way, um, let's be able to stand in consciousness and understand that it's uh, it's a form of ignorance. And by hating it, we contribute to it. And so how do we bring awareness and consciousness to it and an understanding and a grace to it? Because that is transformative, because we're powerful. So don't fall into the trap of that. And if you need a period of time to to process your anger and frustration with it, if it's new information for you, uh, when I first heard it, I had to do my forgiveness work around it as well. So that's part of the process. So just don't stay stuck there because there's good things happening. This world is full of good, good, good people. Lots of great stuff happening. So with that said, what I'm going to invite you to do is we'll drop into 30 seconds of silence. If you can sense your heart in this and open it a bit and ground yourself in that grace and beauty. And then I will uh, sing a, a song with you that many of you are familiar in this very room. And then we'll, we'll do a prayer together. Sound good? All right. Cool. Let's do her. Here we go. 30 seconds of silence. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear. For spirit, one spirit is in this very room, in this very room, in this very room. So what I know in this moment and invite you to know with me and, and allow my words to be your words, if they don't fit, let them wash over you. 
But what I affirm and know in this moment is there's one activity, that activity is divine, it is divinity, it is spirit, it is both male and female, it is goddess, it is God. It is a, a vibration of the most high, it is the unified field. And so as we come together today in this declaration of understanding there's one life, that life is perfect, that life is God, that life is my life now, I move and shift into this awareness and this beingness of coherence that all of the energetics that make up my physical being and my spiritual being and my soul are in alignment. So there's a communication that is, that is beautiful and pristine. So that we, we come together today and are coming together, even the journey here is part of this, this spiritual journey. And that each and every one of us is supported and loved, pressed down beyond measure. And to accept that despite what the world looks like at times. And to understand that we are in an eternal journey of unfoldment, of awakening, of blossoming to express creativity, love, beauty, joy upon this planet. And the other ends of that help inform us. The ignorance, the anger, the frustration, the acts of violence, whatever it may be is part of life. For that is humanity and people, as Jesus said, you'll always have the poor amongst you. So we see it, but we realize that that is an aspect, but we don't live it. We don't support it, and we give it no energy. We stand tall, we stand proud, and we know that we're guided to, to direct and to serve in whatever way is meaningful and impactful. Who, wherever suffering is taking place, we can offer an awareness and a knowing and then the activities upon that awareness and that knowing. For this I give thanks to live in wisdom, to live in joy, to live in opportunity. I'm so grateful to be brought back to the truth of my being. For this I give thanks and invite you to say with me, and so it is. Beautiful. If I do say so. But it's a beautiful energy that we create together by, by the beautiful is what I mean. So I have a, a, you have a soundtrack for your life? Does everybody have a soundtrack for their life? I have one of my favorite songs. I, mean, I didn't do it at the first service, so don't let those guys know I didn't do this because I, I ran out of time. Can you believe that? And I have a video, but we're going to do the video at the end that ties this all together. But Jackson Brown wrote this, and Jackson Brown was an amazing guy. He, 17 years old, he was hired by uh, A&M Records to write music, and he actually rented an apartment, and above him lived um, J.D. Souther and Glenn Fry of the Eagles. And they said when Jackson Brown was writing The Great Pretender, they probably heard it 10,000 times. <laughs> and Glenn Fry said, sitting above him and listening to him write this song, he said, I figured out how to write a song. But he said, we heard it thousands of times. But he wrote this beautiful song, and we saw him perform this live a number of years ago, Laura and I. And I was so touched by it, and I'm still touched by it. It's called Alive in the World. He said, I want to live in the world, not inside my head. I want to live in the world. I want to stand and be counted. With the hopeful and the willing with the open and the strong, with the voices in the darkness, fashioning daylight out of song, and the millions of lovers alive in the world. I want to live in the world, not behind some wall. I want to live in the world where I, I will hear if another voice should call. To the prisoner inside of me, to the captain of my doubt, who among his fantasies harbors the dream of breaking out and taking his chance alive in the world. To open my eyes and wake up alive in the world. To open my eyes and finally arrive in the world. To its beauty and its cruelty. To its heartbreak and its joy. With its constantly giving birth to life and forces that destroy. And the infinite power of love 
alive in the world. To open my eyes and wake up alive in the world. To open my eyes and finally arrive in the world. It's such a beautiful song of awakening. I think all of us long to be alive in the world. And I want to share with you some, some simple things today, but I think so timely as I was putting it together. You know, I, I just sometimes, you know, think that it's got to be deep and really fancy, and, and, and yet when I'm doing I was working with this material, and it's the second time I've worked with Michael Singer's book, The Untethered Soul, I realized how beautiful the simplicity of what he was writing, because I've been changed by it. And so this Untethered Soul, we have them in the bookstore. We're doing a better job of getting inventory in, as I mentioned, a book, and we want you to have this. It's a beautiful, beautiful book. It's a simple read. And I'm actually looking at, uh, today, we're looking at transformation. We're looking at, we are, I am the place where transformation shows up. And out of Michael's book is actually the first three chapters. So October 1st, welcome to October. I've picked the voice inside your head, your inner roommate, and who are, and who are you? Which is a beautiful question to ask. So I'm going to talk about that a bit today and and, and kind of blend those together. Bless you. Two of those means you're going to kiss a fool, I'm told. So (laughs) just saying. But we all have, we all have, we're all fools, aren't we? Fools for God. In fact, St. Francis said that I'm a fool for God. I wrote an article for Science of Mind magazine one year about that, fools for God, because he just loved the, the divine. So the voice inside your head, in case you haven't noticed, there's a mental dialogue going on inside your head that never stops. It just keeps going and going. Anybody notice that? Yeah. Have you ever wondered why it, why it talks in there and how it knows what to say and when to say it and how much of that, is, that it says turns out to be true and how much of it, what it says turns out to be important because it's sure busy. So in fact, and if you, right now you're, you're, you are hearing inside of you, if you're hearing I don't have a voice. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have a voice inside my head. That's exactly the voice I'm talking about. Okay? It's so much a part of us, we don't even realize it's going on. And so the best way to view this incessant chatter is to step back and view it objectively. It's to start to to look at it, but realize it's not us. If you're hearing it talk, it obviously is not you. That's a good sign, isn't it? It is a good sign. There's nothing more important to true growth, and I think this is one of the keys today from Michael Singer. There's nothing more important to true growth than realizing that you are not the voice of the mind. You are the one who hears it. We hear it, but it's not us. And so, as it says up there on the slide, you are not the voice of the mind. You're the one who hears it. And it's there. The reason it's there is it's a form of defense for us. Because we needed that. We needed that hyperdiligence and, wow, there's, bad things could happen. You know, back when we were evolving as humanity, there were things that were happening where a lot of the threats that, that our forefathers experienced, we don't experience today. And yet, it's still there, going and going and going. So it probably never goes away, but what happens is that we change. We're changed by it. And as a matter of fact, we've got a piece of paper in your program today with the three key points which are the voice inside your head, that your inner roommate, and who are you? And places to take a few notes because it's just better, better uh, retention that way. If you write something down, you're better able to retain it. So, but this voice is kind of like, what it is, is kind of like a tea kettle. And over a period of time, if we turn the kettle on, it builds pressure, and then the pressure gets released. 
And that's what that voice is kind of doing for us. The pressures of life, the things that are going on, the muchness of life, the overwhelm of life. And that's why when we have practices in our lives that help slow that down and for us to start to look at it, we're better able to to live a, a more effective life. When the voice narrates the outside world, what you end up experiencing is really a personal presentation of the world according to you. The world according to me. It's just... So everybody's got a world. We're all living in our own worlds, many ways. So the mind talks, and it goes on and on, and I touched on this last week too, because what that voice wants to do is get the world the way we need it. Anybody here see that we are a a magnet for control freaks in our teaching? Oh my God. You know, I I get to order up the God of my choice. It's like a Pez dispenser. I'll have a little bit of this and pop it in and a little bit of this and, and so in fact I just fired a client of mine because she was she was doing this whole thing where I was became the I said I'm the I'm the spiritual cabana boy you know bring me another hot towel and I'd like a hot toddy and on and on it was these prayer requests on and on and on and on and on and finally I said you know this is the way this works is we get together and we talk about many of these things because it was I had a woman that came to me one time and said just I said what would you like she said prosperity I said how can I help you well pray that I win the lottery yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> Pray that I win the lottery. And I said, well, let's talk about why you win a lottery. I mean, wouldn't it be that we teach affirmative prayer and we set th- something in motion? Why can't we demonstrate everything that we want? You know, that we live in the garden of paradise and that God is a mail-order bride. <laughs> so I said, what's beneath that? Why do you feel like that? that's... Because I wanted to know at a deeper level because, see... Prosperity and abundance are beautiful things, but if we don't have a prosperity consciousness and an abundant consciousness, even winning the lottery won't be enough. We study after study after study that people that win the lottery and the money's gone within a very short period of time because the consciousness isn't there to receive it. I mean, we're in the consciousness business, and I support her. I'm, hey, I hope you do win the lottery. And matter of fact, let's say a prayer right now. You know? But the point being is there's something deeper. And if we aren't willing to look at the something deeper, and we're always looking out there for our needs and to feel good about it, we're missing an opportunity. So when we live in lack, it doesn't matter what's in our life. If we live with the idea I'm not good enough, then we will bring people into our experience by right of consciousness that will help fulfill that prophecy. You wanna, the, the problem with this teaching is you start to shift consciousness, all your friends change. All the ones I talked about it last night, you find that common en- enemy, intimacy, to hate the same person. And all of a sudden you realize, you know, hate's not getting me where I want to go. I've got to stop this. Well, pretty soon that tight group you've got, because you, you share the common enemy, called, uh, Brene Brown calls a common enemy um, intimacy. So what brings you together isn't authentic, it isn't healthy, but boy, you've got a cause. We're all going to hate so-and-so together. Let's get together and talk about him again. And so what that does is, as I say, when we offer our hatred to what happens, it's, it, it's, it's, it's important and in consciousness we understand What's going on? And there are people suffering out there. And many times people are suffering so much they want to hurt somebody else. And it's fear. And there's nothing to fear. And yet when we let fear run our lives, this is what happens. So you want to get the world the way you like it. And you, in, you internally verbalize it. You judge it. You complain about it. And then you decide what to do about it. And this makes you feel more empowered. This is just, we, we're tripwired for this. But to understand it, See, what really empowers us is not moving things around out there. What empowers us and makes us abundant is not winning the lottery. 
And I'm not saying don't win the lottery. I'm just saying it's not going to shift consciousness. So be aware of that. First thing I do if you win the lottery is call me and I'll help you with consciousness. And we'll figure out what to do together with that money, okay? But when you come to know who watches the voice, you'll come to know one of the great mysteries. When you come to know who watches the voice, you'll come to know one of the great mysteries. Jesus knew this. He talked about it. Buddha knew this. He talked about it. He taught it. He lived it. So, next one, your inner roommate. Your inner roommate. There we go. There's the three things I'm going to touch on. The part of, what part of me is disturbed by this? So Michael says, it's not about fixing it when things get triggered. What gets triggered in you? It's not about saying, oh, I've got to do this, or i got to do that. He says, what's getting triggered in me? Why does this disturb me? Why if Darren wins the lottery, am I jealous? By the way, I, I support you in winning the lottery. I'm using this as an example, okay? <laughs> but, you know, something good happens to Darren, and I'm like, huh, why him, not me? And then if something bad happens to Darren, I go, wow, glad it's him and not me. (laughs) It's the way that works, I'm telling you. But the point being is, is that when it gets triggered in us, that's the question to ask. What's alive in me? It just, because that trigger is the gift. A trigger is the gift. And and, And to have the awareness to stand in it. So I'm hearing the announcement driving up here about the, this violence that broke out and this police officer that got hit by a car and I guess he went 15 feet in the air and then the guy got out of his car that was driving and attacked the police officer. And I'm just like, what is going on? Man, this does not, I mean, this is just wrong. And it is. And it's, it's evil. It's bad. And yet there's something going on there for this individual, for both people, both victims, so when it triggers me and I become indignant, I've got to bring myself back to my core. I care deeply, but I care so much that I don't want to offer more of what just took place. Make sense? I want to offer an awareness and a consciousness, as I said. So what can I know now? Everyone has everything they need. Understanding, care, medical support, whatever it may be. And I'm not trying to make it light. And if there's something for me to do about this, and I thought, I can bring this to my community today and we can talk about this. And maybe I can serve that way because I care deeply. Man, I care for every person that's in service in this world, especially police officers. Even the ones that sit down at the bottom of Rolling Hill with that radar thing and give me a ticket every time I go home. You gotta love those guys too. That's their job. And I've said to them many times, this has gotta be a horrible job for you. What do you mean? I mean, you're sitting down here, it's like shooting fish in a barrel. You don't think I'm going to pick up a little speed coming down that 45-degree angle there in a vehicle? It's physics, right? I mean, those are the times when it's hard to love in a situation like that. But, but you know what? Man, I need, I need that help or someone needs that help. Man, I'm there. I want them. You go, man. God bless you for stepping up. Firemen, nurses, doctors, oh my God. People that taught me how to read. I was not the best student as a young man. I was far too busy with things in that classroom going on than to pay attention to what was being said. Because I was busy entertaining everyone. And I'm sure glad that someone sat me down and taught me how to read. 
and how to think in a different way. So this inner roommate, your inner roommate is you're ready to grow and you realize that, that the I who is inside will never be satisfied. This guy inside, this girl inside, never going to be satisfied. Make peace with that. Whew. This is good to know. So you don't have to keep looking for a solution. Isn't that freeing? And when a problem is disturbing you, don't ask, as I said, what should I do about this? But what part of me is being disturbed by this? If you want to perceive peace in the face of your problems, you must understand why you perceive a particular situation as a problem. Why do I perceive this situation as a problem? Because it's just life. And there, there are things that happen. This thing that happened last night with this violence. It is a problem. And what gets triggered in me? And how have I contributed to this? And what can I do going forward? And, and to live in those open-ended questions. And I know what's mine to do will show up. It'll show up in a dream. It'll show up in an insight. It'll show up in between the words that I'm saying. So what part of me, as I said, is jealous? Asking the open-ended question separates us from the problem. And the fact that you can see the disturbance means you're not in it. See, this is spiritual practice to separate ourselves. It doesn't mean separating ourselves doesn't mean we don't care. Separating ourselves means we love, the, we love ourselves and we love the world and we love one another so much that I'm going to step back because I know who I am. The difference between a spiritual person, so we go to spiritual or worldly. The difference between a spiritual person and a worldly person is the spiritual person is able to witness the situation. Worldly means you think the solution to your inner problem can be found in the outer world out there. So if I can get this just right, if I can get you to do this, everything will be okay for me. And it's a trap we fall into all the time. Now, it's always appropriate to have a conversation if someone's doing something that's inappropriate or whatever it may be. I'm not saying don't do that. But the place where the, where the work is to be done is within ourselves. The first problem that you have to deal with is your own reaction to things. It has to do with a change from outer solution consciousness to inner solution consciousness. And the place to go is to go within, where we seem to have problems with reality. This is not the first time we've had violence on the planet. This is not the first time people have, have behaved inappropriately. We don't have, a, we don't have a, a behavior problem. We can keep locking people up. There are more people locked up now in prisons in the United States of America than ever before. And they've privatized it. It's big business. As they say in some of the films I've seen, it's a new form of slavery. It's cheap labor force. Because then what the corporations do is they send their work there to be done, and these guys get three cents an hour. So much for minimum wage. It's a new form of slavery. You screwed up, not only are we going to keep you here, but you're going to work for us for nothing. And we take away their right to vote. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, this is part of the consciousness we're part of, and I don't, I don't accept that as, as, as appropriate. And I know there's a bigger idea. I mean, when, the, when supposedly the best of the best is in positions of power, and then they have this, this yelling contest back and forth at one another, who's going to launch the next nuclear bomb? This is the best we got. So that whole system needs to be flushed, as far as I'm concerned. And if we can't create the consciousness for the newness to show up and give birth to it individually, it's not going to change. So this is our opportunity, this is our test, because I'll tell you what, each one of you is powerful. Each one of you has influence that you cannot even imagine. Each person here knows at least a thousand people. And that thousand people knows another thousand people. All of a sudden you're at a million. It doesn't take long, that, that whole thing of six degrees of separation. 
and you don't think who you are and the decisions you make influence that thousand? It does, without doubt. So I refuse to become indignant. I refuse to hate what just happened. I don't like it. I don't agree with it. I don't support it. Because what I know is that there's one life. That life is God. That life is source. And that life is my life right now. And I stand in it and I will not move from that position. And standing in that and unifying with that. So healing the separation allows me then to be guided and directed in ways that can be powerful and impactful. This is the faith I stand in. So I, I get so fired up, it, it forces me to go within and take ownership and responsibility. I wasn't there, but if we're all one, part of me was there. And this, I say enough. I say enough, enough, enough. It's time for all of us to get so indignant with this and to bring our love to the world and to bring our love to ourselves to wake up and stop getting, and, and falling asleep in this dream. That, what, that you can make me feel good somehow. That you can be my best friend. You can be my pal. And that's going to fulfill me. That's a lovely thing to have friends. Nothing wrong with that. But don't allow that to fulfill you. To fill yourself, fulfill yourself from the inside out so you show up prepared so your friendship is rich and beautiful. So you're with enough healthy people that when they invite you to the party, say, geez, I can't be there. They go, thanks, thanks for being in my life anyway. We love you. Thank you so much for being who you are. But what happens is we go into that mind that rattles, rattles, and he says, create a roommate about it. Make it a, make it a persona. And then, you know, this, this voice, give it a personality. Bring it along with you everywhere you go. And then he asks the question, would you actually take advice from this person? Would you? Because what's their track record? What do they have as an education? That voice in there will tell me to do stuff, and as soon as it goes sideways, that voice will say, I told you not to do that. <laughs> no, you didn't. You said do it. I got a two-year-old granddaughter. She spent two nights with us. I'll tell you what, the first night I went to bed at the regular time, and I got up at four o'clock in the morning with her the next morning. The next night I realized when she goes to sleep, we go to sleep too. It's the earliest I've been to bed in a long time. Is she out? Yeah, it's 6.30. Okay, we're going, to, we're going to bed. And questions? She's really verbal. Oh my God, she's just so beautiful. I said, I told Laura we were fixing dinner and then I said, I'm gonna go to the store and get, we needed something. And, and she, full sentence, first full sentence I've ever heard from her. She says, okay, can I go with you too? I'm like, did you just say that? And I said, that's amazing. Wow, that's a whole sentence. And no, you cannot go with me too. I want this to be a 20-minute trip, not an hour and 20 minutes. Get her in the car seat. And she hates the car seat because you're looking back. This kid wants to look out the front window. There ain't not much. And I know because we had a station wagon when I was a kid, and I was always in the back seat getting car sick everywhere we went. Watching life go by you backwards. But she's just nonstop chatter. Questions, questions, questions. And, and if grandma and grandpa aren't in the same room at the same time, it's a problem for her. Where's grandma? She's downstairs in the kitchen. And five seconds, where's grandma? She's downstairs in the kitchen. And this goes on for 20 minutes. And then grandma has to come up. And I say, see, grandma's still here. She's still alive. Grandma's yelling. Doesn't matter. She, grandma's got to be in the same room. But isn't that like our roommate? 
that just goes on and on and it's incessant and you know it's beautiful the way she figures it out and that's how she feels safe and I thought this is just like the roommate that Michael Singer's talking about pretend that this this psyche this has a physical body a personality that you hear talking and you imagine that this person is now talking to you on the outside and now take a whole day and spend it with that person how would you feel if another person, somebody else besides that person inside, besides the imaginary roommate showed up to talk to you that way? Could you imagine? You wouldn't last a day. You said, thanks so much, you gotta go. You gotta go. You know, I'm gonna love you, but I'm gonna love you from afar. I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna use affirmative prayer and pray for your highest and your furthest. Please leave and never come back. But when your inner friend never shuts up, we don't tell it to be quiet. We sit and listen. We let it guide us, direct us. Because we think, well, that's, that's the way I protect myself. That's the way I'm safe. You should see how brilliant I am. You should hear all those stories going on in my head right now. Have you ever bothered to check that voice's credentials, as I said earlier? How many times has it been right or wrong? And maybe it's worth noting who you're getting advice from. Because until you've, you've watched your roommate long enough to truly understand the predicament you're in, once you've made the decision to free yourself from the mental melodrama, which is the third point here, you are now ready for teachings and techniques that will have, you'll have a real use for. You have to distance yourself from the psyche. We have to have spiritual practice to pull ourselves back. Otherwise, we're tripwired to get ticked off at people and get indignant. Life is life. Everyone is having their right and perfect experience. Even the, this violence that broke out. At some level of consciousness, perpetrator and victim came together. I don't know the intricacies of that, but if it's all life and it's all God and it's all good. See, the fallacy is we think we can kill one another and we can harm one another, and we can't. We can hurt the physical body, but there's karma involved. There's karma involved. So, we, so what happens is it, it, the, we live in a, a universe of balance. And you think you can sneak away and whatever you're going to do to somebody and you're going to harbor resentment in your life and hate him and hate him and hate him. Guess what comes back to visit you? Exactly what you put out. That's not a threat. That's just the way the universe works. And so what are you putting out? What message are you sending? What do you want to experience tomorrow? It starts right now with who you are. And to love one another unconditionally, whatever anybody does. I was working with an advisor one time. I called him up and I said, you know, I'm so, I'm so ticked off at this person because they committed to this and they committed to that and they committed to that and you know what? They didn't do any of it. You know what the person said to me? Well, I guess they lied. <laughs> and I was waiting for more. And I realized, okay, I know this now. This is all of humanity. They lied. And so am I going to stay upset about this and, and harbor resentment and want, need to punish this person silently because they're unable to fulfill their commitment or can I understand they're doing the best they know how. This is where they're at. You know, take a guy like Bernie Madoff. Bernie Madoff's need to have as much money as he possibly could. That drive to feel safe was more important to him than being in, in integrity and doing things in an honest way and, and caring for others. He couldn't do it. He didn't have the capacity he had to fulfill this because what he was so scared. There was so much fear going on. I'm not saying to make it right, but what motivates someone to do that? 
and to destroy people's financial life. You know, he's in prison forever. But what motivates somebody to do that? And that's that aberrant gathering. That's that hungry ghost that never gets fulfilled. So if we don't stop, or Bernie Madoff, I'll guarantee you, never considered that that roommate he's carrying with him, that voice inside, was not him. And so he's modeled that for us. He stepped up and volunteered, and he did it so publicly that we get to look at it and go, what happened there? Ah, he's trying to fulfill that inner emptiness with something out there. Doesn't make it right, but at least gives me a perspective of understanding, and when I find myself going down that path, I say, nah, I don't want to do that. I want to be in service to something bigger than that. But you have to bring some awareness to that melodrama that's inside. So the last point today is who are you? How are you is inspired, as Michael Singer says, by um, Guru Ramna Maharishi, 1879-1950. And he used to tell his teachers, he said the great, he was a great yoga t- uh, teacher. He used to say to attain inner freedom, one must continually and sincerely ask, who am I? Who am I? Who, who sees what I see? Who hears what I hear? Who knows that I am aware? Who am I? Who looks in the mirror? Who's looking back? If you try to give an honest answer intuitively, you are simply going to say, it's me. It's me. It is you. And I'm here in this experiencing all of this. We are here experiencing all We came to have the full gamut of experience. We came to have the full gamut of experience. People I know that have transitioned and come back, the fourth dimension experience where they die and they bring them back. They talk about a thing, they come back, their whole life's transformed. Their whole life's transformed. Their motivations, their fears, everything is transformed. Maybe some of us won't have that near-death experience. We're just going to have to work it out here and now. But every person I know to a person that has had that experience, they're like, man, oh man, we're just making all this stuff up. Let's make better stuff up is what I say. I mean, let's figure out how we make better stuff up. So we bless the world. We bless one another. Your good is my good. Ernest Holmes said, there's no private good. Your, your, your joy, your prosperity, your health, your vibrancy, your love is my love. Let's perfect that. So what happens is all of our attention can quickly become absorbed by, by our emotions In essence, inside and outside objects compete for our attention. So you're in there, we're in here, and we're having both inner and outer experiences. And as as Michael Singer says, don't you have those times when you're not having emotional experiences? I know everyone in here has had those moments where it's peaceful, where you're in nature or you're with your your children or your grandchildren. For Laura and I, our, our granddaughter Audrey, she's our medicine. We're fully engaged with her. It's spiritual practice for us. So it's such a joy to watch her and what she comes up with and to watch her learning. And, you know, and we, we put on a little cartoon for her and she wanted to watch it over and over again. And then she knew what was coming and then she really got into it and she would laugh through the whole thing. And, and I just thought, isn't that fascinating? And she knows how the story comes out. So it, it's just, it's It's fascinating. But as Michael Singer says, eventually you'll have times when you're not having emotional experiences and instead you feel just quiet inside. You're still in there, but you're just aware of the peaceful quiet. Just aware of the peaceful quiet. I'm going to give you a little trick here. If you just close your eyes and you can breathe, just before you close your eyes, watch me. And, and take your fingers and rub them together while you, and notice your breathing. 
Feel your breath. Feel your fingers lightly rubbing together. You tap your knee. Wherever you are, you can do this. See, you can't think of a third thing while you're doing it. When you notice your breath and you have the tactile experience of touching something, it quiets the mind. I've used this for years. Because, man, my roommate, he can really get going in there. There's important stuff according to him. But you know what? If it's important, it'll be there when you stop grounding yourself. We need to have little tricks in our basket of goodies to divert ourselves. Rene Descartes, a great philosopher, said, I think, therefore I am. But not really. Because your thinking doesn't mean who you are. Because when we're in those deep meditations, meditation is such a beautiful on-ramp. Take my word for it. And meditation, when you drop down into meditation and there's no thinking, it doesn't mean you don't exist. It means you, you're, who you are is being fully expressed. Quiet moments. When, we're there, when Laura and I are with our granddaughter, we do affirmative prayer with her. Laura does it when she's over and she does a beautiful, sometimes she does a 15-minute affirmative prayer with Audrey. It's such a beautiful gift. And Audrey just goes off into sleep. Oh my God, what, I've get, what I would have given as a kid to have an affirmative prayer. Someone's saying a loving prayer over me. Yeah. We used to say the rosary as fast as we could and then we'd get beat on the way into bed. That was our spiritual practice. That's the tools my mom and dad had. So who am I? Who is having all these physical, emotional, and mental experiences? Part of it is letting go of the experience and noticing who's left. Who's truly left when we put down all the busyness? When we let it move through us without having to grab onto it and fix it and control it? Eventually you get to the point within yourself where you realize that you, the experiencer, have a certain quality and that quality is awareness, consciousness, an intuitive sense of existence. You know that you're in there. You don't think about it. You just know. And you can think about it if you want to, but you will know that you're thinking about it uh, doesn't make it exist or not. Thoughts or no thoughts. You and I are the ones who see. From back in here somewhere, I look out and I'm aware of the events, the thoughts, and emotions that pass before me. And this is the separation. This is the witness. That's who we are. We're eternal. We are powerful. We've, taken, we've, we've incarnated in this form to bring mastery to this, to bring awareness to this, to wake up. And we are at a time in the evolution of this planet where all kinds of systems and all kinds of things that we've held near and dear are breaking down and they should break down so they can be reborn and recrafted. And what it's going to take for it to be sustainable and rich and wonderful is consciousness and your consciousness matters. So back up from it. Stop trying to manipulate everything out there. Go here first. There's not something to do, there's something to know and something to be first and foremost, and then that being and knowing motivates and guides us in what we do. If you go very deep, Michael Singer again says, that is where you live. You live in the seat of consciousness. A true spiritual being lives there. Without effort, without intent, you are the center of consciousness, and the center is the seat of self. This guy's story is amazing. This guy's story is remarkable. When I was four years old, I had my first mystical experience with my grandfather. That's what put me on this path. It was, it was amazing. I didn't know at the time what was happening to me. I just figured everybody had that experience. And it, it, it put me down a path that I'm, I'm on today. 
And I'm called to do this work and I know that, that, that I've been gifted with an opportunity and I've been gifted with great teachers and I've been gifted with great uh, um, um, obstacles and challenges to work through to give birth to consciousness so that when things are happening and things are crumbling all around us, to stand in the integrity and know this is what I've come for. I'm, I'm here grounded in the truth of my being. And I can handle whatever shows up. It, it, the resilience. See, this isn't for wimps. I'll tell you where the wimps are. They're over in other faith communities being told how to behave. I'm not here to tell you how to behave. I hope you behave well. I do. I hope it's in alignment with who you've come to be. But that's none of my business. If I got to come down and visit you in jail next week, I'll come down and visit you in jail next week. We'll talk about that. But the point is, there's something within you that does know. There's a power and a grace and a beauty and an integrity. That's who you are. That is the Christ within you. It is not I but the Father within that doeth the work. These things I have done, ye shall do an even greater. I know the things Jesus talked about. I was raised in that tradition. And he also said, you know, when they, they strung him up on the cross, he said, forgive them for they know not what they do. And I watch people within our community and within the world trying to move things around out there and, I'm, and I support them. But man, if the consciousness doesn't shift, it's just, there's no sustainability to it. We're bringing this new uh, Q process in here. And I want to just share you some, in, some information about it. It's called the Q effect. And you can go online and look up the Q effect. And out of the shadows, and I want you there. I want you to be there. It's a, it's a powerful, powerful program to bring awareness to what triggers us and to bring consciousness. And all of a sudden, the things that were our, our worst enemies are powerful and beautiful. And this is what it's based on. It's out of the shadows, living and leading. A 21-day Q process is an integrative cognitive shadow work practice that weaves together the latest research emerging from neurobiology, developmental psychology, family system theory, attachment theory, quantum science, and perennial spiritual wisdom to offer a powerful path to personal evolution. It's powerful, folks, I'm telling you. Dr. Jeff Terrett, he's a licensed psychologist and psychology professor. He said, I have devoted much of my career to exploring and teaching about the mind-body connection. The Q process was the perfect synthesis of many areas I've studied and teach. I incorporate the program into my classes and workshops with students and with mental health professionals. By uncovering the unconscious motivations behind behavior, the client is able to move beyond fear and engage in the world as an authentic self. From Drayden Oxley, this is the week after completing the three-week Q process, and I can truly say I'm showing up differently in all areas of my life. What I mean by that is I'm aware of what, what feelings I'm feeling in the moment, or very shortly thereafter, and so I'm able to be more conscious of my choices in responding to both my inner and outer experiences. By choosing a better response, instead of just reacting in my old habitual pattern, I'm showing up in a way that I can respect and be proud of, and hopefully others find more delightful. And then this last slide is uh, Dr. Michael Beckwith from Agape. He writes with great clarity and originality, Simmons, that's Dr. Gary Simmons, who will be with us on the 14th, and Bonero, his partner, who put this together, created an effective guide that people from all cultures and spiritual backgrounds may apply. Next to him on top is Howard Caesar, recently retired as a unity minister in Houston, Texas, largest unity community in the world. Simmons and Bonero have created a clear pathway of principle and practice that can powerfully transform lives and propel people into a completely new relationship with life. And there's more. There's Barbara Marks Hubbard. Some of you may know her. She's a brilliant, brilliant woman. Endorsing it. Dr. Roger Thiel, who is a senior minister at uh, 
Mile High Church in Colorado. And then we've got Cindy Wigglesworth, who's done work with Spiritual Dynamics, and then um, Francis Fuji. And they're all wonderful. It's on the site if you want to read them. I won't read them all to you. It's on the Q effect. Because I'll tell you what, gang, I'm done playing small with you. We got eternity, but not one second to waste and not one thought to waste. So it's a call to action. And your shift in consciousness and your ability, when you see yourself getting triggered, to have a tool in your toolbox to make a difference, to transform that, is it affects the thousand you know and the thousand they know. And that's exciting. Because I want to be alive in the world. As long as I am trapped in this smallness and that voice inside my head, I'm not alive in the world. I'm just a victim of the world. And enough's enough. So here's... Because somebody's got to take a stand. I'm telling you, enough's enough. Get with a practitioner. You got an issue around here? Get with a practitioner. Get, come see me. I'll work with you. I don't want you suffering. I want, I want a, a grace and a beauty and a freedom in your life. And so I'm, I'm willing to push some buttons here today because I care about you and I love you. And I don't want my granddaughter growing up with this cockamamie stuff going on in the world. So I pour my love in that direction because I can influence that. But that's true of all of our grandparents. So I want to end today with a, I started with Alive in the World. I want to share this with you. This is Jackson Brown.